listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. This is Straight Out of Vegas with the voice of Vegas, your host, R.J. Bell. The pregame show America has always wanted. I doubt the future. I doubt the future. From the Vegas Strip, here's R.J. Bell. You heard it. I'm RJ live in Las Vegas, live on a Wednesday, live on 225 FSR stations across this great, great nation. Steve Fezzik joins in studio. Sports bettors listen for the money. Sports fans listen to no more than their buddies. Now, we're the pros. He's the Joe in L.A., Jonas Knox. Always good to be here, RJ. And yes, on a day in which we have got second chances as far as pro days go to get ready for the NFL draft. And we've also got a lot of NBA action to dive into. What is the Vegas lead here on this Wednesday? Let's talk about Justin Fields' pro day and what it means for this draft. Yeah, it was a pro day number two for the Ohio State quarterback. There's been a lot of discussion about Justin Fields potentially falling down the draft boards, but there were several teams represented, including the New England Patriots and others, at Fields' pro day at Ohio State. Yeah, so Fields had a second pro day, as Jonas said, and my understanding is it was an offer made by Fields telling the NFL teams, hey, We'll let you dictate the throws. We'll let you dictate the circumstances. Because the thing about pro days are, they're always, mm, it's home cooking. It's, It's set up in a way to benefit and make the players look good. We're seeing it to some degree with these 40 times, right? Everyone's fast, about a, you know, a tenth of a second faster than they would be, at least speculation, in at the combine which they have uniformity there. So Fields, obviously, not a sign of desperation, but a sign of concern at his stock seemingly dropping, said, hey, you come and I'll throw however you want me to. I, I, I think that's great confidence. When you look at this, Fez, and you look at Fields, and I've got to take away more about the reaction of people to the talk of who's going to go third, Mac Jones is the talk and the way people are reacting to that. I think it's fascinating, but let's go around the horn. What was your takeaway from Fields Pro Day? It was interesting to me that he was open to go ahead and showcase his talents again. I got to tell you, though, when I look at Justin Fields, just the way he ended his collegiate career, struggling against Northwestern, two of his last three games not being good, I think there's a lot of uncertainty about Justin Fields and how ready he is. Well, the I would say maybe the most important. Well, let me ask you this: Wouldn't you say that the Clemson game with Fields, the middle game, and the two, and by the way, how many points did Ohio State win by against Northwestern? It was fairly close. So, how many points? You want to look? I'm it guessing. Up? Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, it's interesting where these like pretty clear wins that you can hardly squint and say, 
I, this is how they would have lost that game. I'm I'm not even sure how you know where, where the where the bar is. I I don't know enough to judge quarterback. What was the score? Twenty two to ten. So just almost two touchdowns. What a, I mean, horrible performance. <laughs> Jonas, what's your takeaway? I, I'm still surprised that he's not getting more love for that performance against Clemson, where yeah. uh, where he took a beating in that game, clearly wasn't 100%, finished the game, probably even shouldn't have gone back into the game based on whether or not he was shot up at halftime or who knows what they did to try and get him ready for the second half. But he stood in the pocket, made huge throws down the field, and was completely dominant. And I would also say on the biggest stage like that, he outperformed Trevor Lawrence. You got to see them side by side. And it feels like we've forgotten all about that. And people are just focusing on the Indiana game or Northwestern and what sort of question marks. And now he's got to have a second pro day afterwards. It's, it's just strange. That's Jonas Knox. I'm RJ Bell. We're straight out of Vegas. Uh, it feels like... Well, a couple things. You bring up a great point about Trevor Lawrence. I mean, this is the guy, he's the new Sam Darnold, where no one wants to say a bad word, and everyone's rushing to talk about how he's the next great quarterback. You know, it really begs the question, to what degree do you want certainty, and to what degree is a lottery ticket Attractive. So, Jonas, Fez and I talked about this about a week ago. We haven't. So, I'm going to hit you with an idea. If you could draft Matt Ryan at the age he came out of college right now, meaning, and, and God came down and said he's going to have the same talents that he had, meaning we don't know how he's going to do, we just know it's the same man, like effectively. And we know Matt Ryan is not a Hall of Famer, but he's not that far from a Hall of Famer. But a lot of people would say, you know, oh, you know, he had that one year with Shanahan, but otherwise he's not great. So maybe I'm being a little generous with the Hall of Fame or even close, but about as much as Edelman probably. Would you rather have Trevor Lawrence or the reincarnated version two of Matt Ryan? Matt Ryan. Not even close. I, I think statistically you're right. Yeah. And, and the reality is that we can say half of these number one picks or top of the first round uh, picks bust or don't make it. But what do the other half do? Right? And again, if we look at your – let me see your quarterback list. So, I mean, let's think about this now. We got Mahomes, who was the number 10 pick, as we've done. Rodgers picked in the 20s. Wilson, third round. Now, we're going in order. Watson was what number like 10 or 12 or I guess 12 in that I think Josh Allen trade up like at seven so let's give let's give I guess in a way Mahomes and Watson are the questions a number 10 or 12 what is that that that's definition the middle of this first round it's not people trading up mm-hmm. to get him now who's been traded up for recently Wentz, obviously. Goff, obviously. Darnold, I mean, to some degree, a little bit. It feels like if you would say, take the number seven through 12 quarterbacks, and then, you know, we'll take them, and you take one through six, we got the much better quarterbacks right now. Yeah, we don't want Trubisky, do we? Well, I don't. I want to be six through 12. So my point is, is this really such a science? And I guess we know by half of the time people missing, these teams missing, that it's not. But it's also something where 
if you're willing to trade up, like look, look even at the 49ers. Part of the conversation about the 49ers that everyone is so incredulous about, they, they're disbelieving, is the idea that, oh, there's no way they're trading up for Mac Jones. I'm a kind of amateur scout, and I don't think he's got enough arm. And it's like, in a way, I kind of hate that kind of talk because the idea that we know more than Kyle Shanahan is absurd. And I think there needs to be three groups of people that you have an opinion on what they do. Group number one is, I disagree. So-and-so, you know, someone said uh, under on uh, Price is Right, and I think he's wrong. I'm going over, right? Okay, you can have an honest disagreement with those, you know, a non-expert like that. Then there's the people, it's like, you know, if he says something, I'm going to pause and really think about it, but I'm willing to disagree. And then there's finally, oh, that he disagrees? Belichick disagrees about football? What did I miss? And it seems like in the media and in life, there's so few people that even have people in a group that says, oh, they disagree with me? What did I miss? And to me, in football, there might be, I don't know, 20 people in the world that can disagree with Kyle Shanahan, maybe, and maybe 50. But it isn't the guys on TV. It's not the guys on radio. And to some degree, the conversation should be, if it is Mac Jones, what am I missing as opposed to how crazy it is that Mac Jones might get picked ahead of whomever. So as much as I'm an Ohio State grad, I'm a Justin Fields fan, uh, you know, or at least I'm rooting for, for his uh, career as an alum, I'm not sure. He, did he graduate? I'm not sure. I don't know. Well, I mean, I, it's important. Academics are important, Fez. We're straight out of Vegas. What do you think of that, Jonas? I mean, you if anything, you are a lifer in sports talk. Or do you like you have a week your Sunday show with uh, with um, Brady Quinn? Quinn, that's what I was gonna say. I yeah. was thinking there's a local guy named Brady Cannon. I'm like, what? Well, I'm not. That's not the guy. <laughs> but the um, now he's a guy that was drafted in the first round. You know, the funny thing is we met him at the, or I met him at the Super Bowl. He's like six three and a half, six four. He's, you know, he's a big dude. Even you, bigger. Yeah, you think of him and you think, you know, he was a little undersized. You know, <laughs> yes. and like, what has he taught you just working with him about like the way to look at the NFL? I mean, does he have a ton of respect for like the opinion of a Kyle Shanahan, or is he the type that's going to throw you know drop bombs on it? No, no, has a ton of respect for him. Uh, also, says Mac Jones is the perfect quarterback for that Kyle Shanahan offense, and and if it ends up being Mac Jones, and and he's saying all this while also saying that Justin Fields is his number two quarterback in the draft. Um, but not, situa- not counting Trevor Lawrence. Uh, yeah, yeah, including Trevor Lawrence. Justin oh, Fields he's got number, Trevor number one, though. Yeah, Trevor number one, Justin oh, okay. Fields two. But he thinks that Mac Jones is the perfect quarterback for Kyle Shanahan's system, and that's why it makes a lot of sense. And and I defend the 49ers from, from this standpoint. They've clearly identified that Mac Jones is the guy. If we believe all the reports and it ends up being Mac Jones, they've clearly identified him. So the fact that they gave up all that they gave up to go get Mac Jones – I'm with you. I don't look at it and go, because I think it's dumb, that that's the way I'm going to go with it. How the hell do I know more than Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch? I mean, I, I, those guys have forgotten more about football. I, I instead take the approach of, 
All right, so they must have identified something with this because otherwise you don't get that aggressive. And, and we only know a, until after the fact a couple years later whether or not the pick made sense. But I also defended the Bears when they moved up a spot to take Trubisky because they identified something that be they shouting, liked. I wouldn't be shouting that from the rooftops. <laughs> at, at, but at the time, now that we have our evidence, now we can go back and say, okay, that was a mistake. But until we get our evidence on Mac Jones, I don't think it's a mistake. And I think we should trust the football guys making the football decision and not us in, in our, our mock drafts. Plus, we don't even know who he's taking, who they're going to take, right? This could all yeah. be a big fugazi. We've got the odds. So where does Fields go? DraftKings has the odds. 49ers are favored. Plus 175. Atlanta plus 300. Denver 5-1. to one, Patriots 5-1. to one. Note, yesterday the Patriots were 7-1. to one. So there's been some jibber-jabber about the Patriots and Fields, them trading up. I think, oh, I guess Kuyper had it in his mock, so that probably is driving the line move. It was Patriots taking Fields 7-1 to to 5-1 to now, so an improvement in those odds. Mackenzie, do we have the odds of who the 49ers are taking? Yes. All right, read that off real quick. Mac Jones is the favorite at minus 200. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry, I missed it for a second. And then Justin Fields at plus 200, then Trey Lance at plus 400. Okay, so what we're saying is $100 wins you 50 if it's Mac Jones, and 100 wins you 200 if it's Fields. So the market is saying, yes, Fields is the clear underdog, clear favorite Mac Jones, but it's not prohibitive. It's, you know, what, 66% or so? Yeah, sure. I mean, if you don't count the VIG. So right in that range. So I think that's right. Now, what I find fascinating to close on this subject is the idea of how the analytics guys, the guys at Pro Football Focus, the guys at the various other, you know, the ESPN analytic guys, they are almost indignant. They're offended that Mac Jones might go. They are so sure their analysis that they know more than Kyle Shanahan. They're saying it can't be, and they're all. A lot of these guys are batters. They're talking about making the biggest bet of the year on no, it's not Mac Jones, maybe Fields or whomever. However, they're going about it. They're saying no, this must be a smokescreen, and we can't even calculate how it would happen. Thus, we don't believe it. It's like a refusal. So it's going to be interesting. But again, one of our basic premises of betting is. Define what you're handicapping. In who's going to be the number three pick, you're not handicapping who's the best quarterback in your mind. You're handicapping who the 49ers are going to take. It's a really important point. Absolutely. And if you agree or not, forget if you're going to think Kyle's smarter than you, you're smarter than Kyle about football. But understand, it's his opinion that matters. Now the question is, is what would be the reason for the leaks? What would be the A guy like Schefter who doesn't take kindly to be being fed crap, because you can get crap out there a bunch of ways, right? Schefter, you don't burn a guy like that, it seems like. And how often does Schefter report things that are wrong? Right? Hardly ever, Jonas. Yeah, no, he, I can't think of many times where Schefter has been used as a pawn in some sort of a rumor game before the draft. I feel, I feel like he's graduated above that level. Maybe years ago that might have been the case, but I don't think so anymore. I agree. So if they gave it to Schefter and he's saying things like it's almost a certainty, boy, it feels like that there's an, a clear agenda there, and uh, meaning the agenda of the truth. And why else tell him? 
And if anything, Schefter's the type to sniff his stuff out. I haven't seen any backtracking. So I don't know for sure, but boy, oh boy, when it's a battle of who the analytics guys think is better, and that's Fields, and who Schefter's reporting on, that's Mac Jones. Maybe I'm just a humble guy, but um, I got to go with Schefter over my analysis of the tape. That's just me. Fez, we were talking about it. You had 17 picks in the draft last year, all because you didn't want to get a job. (laughs) That's correct. No way is he getting a job. So we'll see how many you have in the next couple weeks. When we come back, though, we're going to shift to the NBA and talk about the East. It's Brooklyn and it's... Uh, what do we got there? It's Brooklyn. Philly, minus eight and a half. I guess the Sixers at the, at the uh, leading the division doesn't make sense. Or the East. <laughs> They're tied tonight, though. Boy, Brooklyn is not bringing their A game. We'll talk about it. That's coming up next. But first, Straight Out of Vegas is brought to you by AutoZone. AutoZone has more ways for you to start your job your way. That means getting what you need fast. Some jobs can't wait. That's why AutoZone offers free same-day store pickup. Free next-day delivery is available in over 100,000 parts. Visit AutoZone.com today to start your job fast. Get in the zone. AutoZone. He's RJ Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. I disagree with intervention. I disagree with protocol. If you speak out against the words, then the heavens gonna fall. The government runs the business. I'm RJ Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. Coming up here in just a couple of moments, we will take a look at a matchup atop the Eastern Conference in the NBA. And we're going to see how critical Fez is going to be of someone that could cost them money. It's a great day to join. This is the fastest growing show on Fox Sports Radio. Audiences doubled in the last year plus. Thank you so much. Your support's the reason for that, and we're going to work extra hard to keep delivering for you. You can listen on 225 stations across the country, and if you're not sure about your station, just check foxsportsradio.com, find out your best station in the area, and you can listen to it at that website, streaming live the entire FSR network right here on the Strip in Las Vegas. The lucky 77 degrees, the neon is pumping. So, RJ, atop the Eastern Conference sit the 76ers and the Brooklyn Nets, both tied 20 games over 500, and they match up tonight coming up and actually tipping off in a little over a half hour from now. And right now on pregame.com, the 76ers are a nine-point favorite hosting those Nets. And that's moving up. It was six and a half. Now, Jonas, you read pretty diligently. We've yet to be able to discern did Durant have this as a planned day off and it was pre-scheduled? Or is this in response to some physical ailment that he's feeling tight or whatever, and thus they've decided to rest him? I'm not sure, but I haven't heard that there's any sort of issue physically with him. Mm-hmm. Um, this mm-hmm. may just be they played last night. Um, you know, let's, let's take it slow as we get to the postseason. Let's assume you're right, and let's caveat this saying it's an assumption. And if we're not, then we reevaluate. But if you're right, Jonas, this is egregiously bad planning by the Nets. Last night, they or yesterday afternoon, right, they played Minnesota. Now, 
I don't know about you, but I think they have a pretty good chance to beat Minnesota in pretty much any situation. No doubt. And they ended up winning big, 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 right? By 30. 30. Durant wasn't not necessary in that game. But you're going to play him in that game? In an afternoon game on a, on a Tuesday? And you're going to... The Wednesday night game in which... Now, let's set this up. You've got the number one team in the East... Oh, and by the way, the other number one team in the East, they're tied. Now, that sounds like it's a pretty close race between these teams. But let's consider the following. Their series between the Nets and the Sixers are tied 1-1. And that's the first tiebreaker if they tie. Okay, how many more games do they play? Oh, this is it. This is the last game of the regular season. There can't be a bigger I would make the following case. Hot take time. (laughs) You can't have a bigger game in the regular season than this. Because not only do you have the one versus one that are tied 1-1, you've got high stakes who's going to win the conference or get the number one seed because of the disparity between three and four. Right? When you have Milwaukee as your reward if you win the first round as the number two seed, most likely Milwaukee, and then if your other reward is, I don't know, the Atlanta Hawks, I think that's a real reward if you're number one. I mean, think about the Hawks versus the Bucks, Fez. Yeah, and you were the first person I heard identify this and what a huge disparity it would be. You might be a minus 200 favorite if you're hosting Milwaukee. You're hosting Atlanta. You could be like minus 450 to win that series. So what we're saying here is Harden's out and Hamstring. Uh, hamstring, I can't judge that. Aldridge out with illness. Now, Griffin, there's this mysterious phrase that says injury management. Rest of his life. No, no, I just added that. <laughs> and then you got Durant out, hamstring management. So they're getting specific with Durant, right? And literally, this was all planned. And by all accounts, the coaching staff and the the youth with Nash and all that, it's done a good job. You know, he's obviously got veterans uh, helping, but I mean, by all accounts, he's getting good grades as a coach. But this seems like either bad planning or they're trying to avoid the Sixers. The Brooklyn Nets seem to be scared of the Sixers in what could be considered one of the biggest regular season games we've had in years because of the stakes. Jonas, what do you think? Yeah, well, it's it's exactly why when people complain that, oh, you know, some of the coverage of the NBA, uh, you know, the NBA doesn't get as much love as the NFL does. Well, if if you are showing us how little you care about the regular season, why should we care when we cover it? You know, like it just it just feels like they've teams have clearly identified it's all about the postseason and they're going to coast it and play it safe during the course of the regular season. I think that's played out and why the numbers have been so low and, and some of the ratings have been down. Now, would you say, if anything, it feels like the sports media in general is more sympathetic to the NBA. It's just dollars and cents dictates the NFL is king and you can't get around it. But it feels like like a Bill Simmons type who literally by reports, one of the things that was the big cause of consternation at ESPN with him years ago was how he went after the commissioner of the NFL 
it doesn't feel like the NBA gets that kind of treatment from pretty much anyone. Would you agree with me on that? Specifically ESPN, because ESPN's got a vested interest. And ESPN's probably not happy about this. I do think it is fair to point out that the reason the game was being played yesterday is because the Timberwolves-Nets uh, game was actually scheduled for Monday, mm-hmm. but was pushed to Tuesday because of the fatal shooting there in Minneapolis. And so I wonder if... It was planned for Durant to play this game against the 76ers. But once, but once well. they move the game, yeah. they have a choice at that point. When to say now we got to choose, we can't play them in both. Yeah. You know, if you're a little league coach and you can only pitch him six innings or whatever it is, and you got two games coming up, you kind of know I'm gonna. It's either this game <laughs> or the next game, and you know I get it. The it might have thrown off the plans, but they still had the chance to make the decision to defer and keep Durant ready for this game, right? And I wonder how... I mean, is this Brooklyn also maybe not taking... Philly that seriously to where they well, look at them and go, listen, when we get to the postseason, if we're ready to go, this team can't play with us. Maybe there's a little bit of ego involved. But it seems like it goes totally against the fact that one of the things we've been raving about, about the Nets, is how hard they've played. Remember the game where Harden went into, was it Phoenix? Yeah, I think that's before we made our bet. Is he went in there and they were eight point underdogs? He was a one man gang and he ended up winning the game. Only right? game Phoenix lost during that ten game stretch for them. So I mean, they've been winning these games where it feels like they're they're kind of schedule losses and they're still winning. But now when the highest stakes are there, that it, and again, let's talk about the players on a per player basis. Harden can't do anything about it. It seems like a legit injury. Durant again, it's I don't understand the nuances of his rehab. So let's say it feels like they're being avoiding the fight. And then we got Kyrie. Now listen, we all can have our take on where's basketball and where's social justice and the other issues of the day that are at the forefront of the minds of a lot of NBA players. But it strikes me that if there was a sense of here's what I'm doing and here's why. And if we use the analogy of what Milwaukee did when they kind of led the way with Giannis postponing, or they didn't know, forfeiting effectively, it seemed, at the time, the playoff game, it felt like there was a lot of um, sympathy for that cause, for that decision, because it was communicated well. With Kyrie, we just don't know, right? It's personal reasons. And I'm not saying he owes it to us. I don't know if he does or doesn't. I'm not even going to like plant a flag there. I don't think he does. I think he owes it maybe to his fans, but you know the the fans of the Nets maybe, but not necessarily the media or some outsiders that are observing him. But boy, I know. And Jonas, let me ask you because you're about as even keel as they get when it comes to you know political questions. Is if Kyrie were articulating what he's doing and why that took him away from basketball, are you more sympathetic? Yeah, I I would be, except we've seen Kyrie go back and forth on certain things before, whether it's the flat earth or whatever else he wants to say. Like there was the, he had earlier this year, I think think it was this year, he missed time uh, for personal reasons. And then there was video of him at a birthday party at a club or or something like that. It it just, it was was like, I think it was a COVID protocol or something. 
something. And, yeah, and, yeah, and like he wasn't wearing a mask or something. Like it just it feels like you never get the total story from Kyrie Irving, and then when he claims he he's given you the full story, then he you know goes back and forth on it afterwards. I think he's kind of lost a little bit of the benefit of the doubt aspect from a lot of people because it just feels like there's always something that pops up with him. Well, listen, Avon Barksdale would say, "Game is the fucking game." Period. <laughs> so you know. Guys, we got odds in the East right now, and I also want to hear what your power ratings say. So let's start with the odds to win the East. Brooklyn, the key favorite here, minus 115. Mm-hmm. Milwaukee is the number two pick, three to one. Philadelphia, five and a half to one. Now, what sense does that make? I can't explain it. Because if anything, I would make the following case. Philadelphia has played the most... Well, I can't make that case. The case I was going to make is Philadelphia has played the most games with their suboptimal lineup in. But obviously, the Nets, in theory, have this three superstar lineup that we just have only seen the seven games. Exactly. So, But I would make the case the Sixers have had a above-average amount of missed key games, as in Embiid's games being massively sure. important. And they overperformed, I thought, drastically and in a very impressive way with Embiid's absence. Wouldn't you agree? I agree. And I don't have much separating the two. couple of news notes. Um, being around Pittsburgh growing up, uh, the Boom Boom Room is not exactly a nightclub. Um, <laughs> just intimating, intimating there. But how do you know that the man, a man walks in the police station and says, Aaron Donald assaulted me last night. How do you know he's lying? Because he walked in the police station. <laughs> I mean, come on. If you got assault, assaulted, you better be, from him, you better be taking the statement at the hospital. Yes. Or I'm not going to believe it. All right, Mackenzie, what do we got? We got strength of schedule here. Sixers, from here on, right, we're talking about. Yes. All right. This the 24th hardest schedule, which means it's pretty easy. And Brooklyn has the 30th. Hardest schedule, which means the easiest schedule. And this is uh, from Pro Ranking Gurus, which is a strength of schedule based on PRS. Yes. A-N-D-G-O. Okay. Now, look at Milwaukee. I'm su- I'm not surprised that Brooklyn's the favorite. I'm surprised. And this reinforces it. I'm surprised Milwaukee's favored over the Sixers. How many games? What's this, the current standing situation? Uh, it's three and a half game difference. Milwaukee behind the Sixers. I don't understand this at all. I mean, let's say have a. Does this make any sense to you, Jonas? No, no. And I don't know if this is just based on the failures in the postseason that we've seen from Philly before, but we've seen the same thing from Milwaukee. So that's why it's oh. a little puzzling. You know, I was thinking this was who got the number one seed. Oh no, this is the Eastern. Okay, let's think. Let me think this through a second, then. <sighs> Jesus, I like Philly more in that case. Now, I like Brooklyn more. So the strength of the schedule doesn't mean a ton here. right? I mean, meaning, yeah, who gets one, two, or three matters. But we know Milwaukee's not getting one. Yes, but what we know for sure is... If it was of these three teams, which team do we know for sure has a history of underperform? I wouldn't say the Sixers have necessarily underperformed in the postseason. I think they've, if anything, when they almost beat Toronto that year, you know, a couple years, that was impressive. I think if anything, the Sixers have just underperformed generally, but not especially in the playoffs. Would you think, Jonas? Uh, no, and I, I, or unless maybe they're fading Doc Rivers. Maybe they see Doc Rivers as going, well, you know, listen, he's he's had a, a, a 
you know, I guess a habit of blowing 3-1 leads and having really talented teams and not being able to get them over the hump. So maybe there's that. But yeah, it is a little puzzling. You ever see when the 400-pound guy at the office is giving uh, diet advice to the 230-pound guy? <laughs> so yeah, maybe Doug, you know, maybe that, that Rivers has had some issues in the playoffs, but not like Milwaukee. Milwaukee, you documented historically good back-to-back years in the regular season in terms of point differential. Well, let, let me quantify this. Is no team in the history of the NBA had a season and then another season, so two seasons in a row, as successful as Milwaukee without winning at least one title. just that's It's that simple. They're the best two-year team ever not to win a title, and they didn't even make the finals. And they didn't come real close. I guess you could have said against Toronto, but man, oh, man. All right. What we now know for sure, though, is tonight, game goes. Sixers are favored by nine, hosting the Nets. Questions are... Uh, uh, Galore when it comes to who's going to play for or Kyrie, I guess specifically is the question for Brooklyn. And as we said, the East odds say that uh, Brooklyn is the favorite to get to the finals. That makes sense to me. Milwaukee being the second favorite does not make sense to me. When we come back, we're going to talk about Clowney to the Browns. This Browns is starting to feel like, should I say it, a super team? That's coming up next, but first, Straight Out of Vegas is brought to you by AutoZone. AutoZone has more ways for you to start your job your way. That means getting what you need fast. Some jobs can't wait. That's why AutoZone offers free same-day store pickup. Free next-day delivery is available in over 100,000 parts. Visit AutoZone.com today to start your job fast. Get in the zone. AutoZone, he's RJ Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Straight Out of Vegas! Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Hey, it's me, Rob Parker. Check out my weekly MLB podcast, Inside the Parker, for 22 minutes of piping hot baseball talk featuring the biggest names and newsmakers in the sport. Whether you believe in analytics or the eye test, we've got all the bases covered. New episodes drop every Thursday, so do yourself a favor and listen to Inside the Parker with Rob Parker on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcast. I'm R.J. Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. And R.J., we had a signing in the NFL earlier today. A three-time Pro Bowler is now a member of the Cleveland Browns, and his name is Jadevian Clowney, a one-year deal worth up to $10 million. So it's going to be interesting to see as the reporting clarifies how much is guaranteed, what kind of bonuses are we talking about? Obviously, it's in the agent's best interest to push that big number initially. And my understanding is the guys that will report that big number without a lot of details are the guys that get these stories first. And then within you know six hours, we usually have the full story. If this is almost all pretty much guaranteed, and we just see Forbes is reporting, eight million of it is guaranteed. This doesn't feel like a great deal for the Browns. My thought was Clowney, who had a horrifically disappointing season for Tennessee last year, maybe he was going to be, you know, not the, the veteran minimum, but not that far from it. Eight million guaranteed is a kind of a big number. 
listen, if he plays as well as he has at various points of his career, it's a nice signing. If he plays like last year, it's a huge problem. But even if he plays one or two levels up from last year, it's still seemingly they're overpaying at eight million. What do you think? Yeah, what's most troubling is if you look how he troubling. Graded, I hate the Browns. It's not <laughs> troubling. Look, what, what's 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 happiest about all this is that Clowney last year he only played eight games. Well, you think well if he only played eight games, he probably should have been pretty good in those eight. Like you said, just an average starter he graded out in why, terms of his why performance. Why do you think he'd be good in the eight? Because he was resting the other games. Well, you He's, when you're injured, it, it doesn't help you the next. Fair game. enough. <laughs> That's Steve Fezzik. I'm RJ Bell. We got the odds. Ravens are still favored to win the division. Remember, right here in FSR on the herd, Colin said he's picking the Browns to win the division. Ravens are favored plus 130. 100 wins you 130. Browns plus 180. So 50 cents more payoff on the Browns. 100 wins you 180. Steelers plus 350. Three and a half to one. Jonas, any you can talk about Clowney. You can talk about the division. Dealer's choice. Just the Clowney. Clowney feels a lot like Josh Gordon, to where the what we think of him in our mind far exceeds what the actual production is. Josh Gordon had one year in which he was amazing in that one year, but that one year was like 2013, and we still, for so many years afterwards, just expected that to happen. And Clowney, we focus on the big hit he had in the bowl game against Michigan. He's never been a big guy in the NFL. Uh, definitely not up to the potential that he that he was drafted at being number one overall. And I just feel like he continues to get these contracts and these no, yeah. uh, there's there's a reason he's available multiple off seasons in a row and he's a former number one pick. That should very happen. well very well said. And I think Jonas's point about that one hit being such a moment, it, it still is echoing through his bank account. Yeah. All right, we're calling an impromptu pick here. Fez, we're going to call this, you got to be evil to kind of make this pick, or you got to be square. <laughs> and it's so square, I don't think I'm even going to let him make it officially. But make your case, you got a minute. I am on the Dodgers, plus 350. Yes, the Dodgers, the ultra-public Plus team. 350 to win what? The World Series. Oh, my gosh. I is square. Go ahead. All right. Here's Quickly, quickly. Here's the math behind The Dodgers are light years in front of every other team. Expected wins this year, 103 and a half. So this is, you could have said this before the season. Yes, and now they're 9-2, and two, so they're exceeding expectations so far. They're already... Boy, this sounds like the guy at the bar. Continue. They're already a monster favorite to win the division. Minus 500 you have to lay. I went... And what did you have to lay before the season? Minus 300. Okay. All right, go ahead. So I went back last year to the Dodgers' last three series, and as it turns out, the Dodgers had a 30% chance to win all three of those series. So if they play the same teams... This year, it'd be the same. Huh. But that's not guaranteed, is it? It's not guaranteed, but they had to play tough teams. San Diego, Atlanta, San, Tampa Bay. Did you really say San Diego and tough in the playoffs in the same sentence? <laughs> Fair enough. Go ahead. All right. So, the bottom line, I only have to be right 22% of the time to break even here. And I think the Dodgers have a significantly better than 22% chance, plus 350, to win the World Series. The wickedest man in the world. I mean, it, <laughs> the wickedest man in the world. It's evil to like put that out there as a bet. I mean, this is what I'll say. I won't even say I disagree with it. I'm going to say if you listen to this pick, he's a janitor at a high school, has to take the bus to work every day. 
<laughs> I mean, that's going to be the result. I mean, Joe, does you understand the, the resident square, how square, take the best team entering the year, and if they start hot, bet them to win the World Series, which means you get paid in six months, maybe. It's only 11 games into the season. Well, we got a lot more to go. It just feels a little early to start jumping at, uh, at World Series picks. Can you hum Huey Lewis, Hip to Be Square? Are, are you familiar with this song? <laughs> yeah, I could try. I mean, listen, I know that this isn't the draft, and I know that you love the idea of... <laughs> I mean, this is, <laughs> that's awesome. This this is like you having 17 picks in the draft. Anything, anything not to get a straight job. We are straight out of Vegas here on Fox Sports Radio. If you missed any of today's show, you can check out the podcast at foxsportsradio.com. Just search for straight out of Vegas. We are back tomorrow, 6 p.m. Eastern time, 3 o'clock Pacific, right here on Fox Sports Radio. And as always, on the iHeartRadio app. Straight out of Vegas! Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.